0: Welcome to Geeks and Jocks Podcast. Hello, welcome back to Geeks and Jocks. This is Ryan Sullivan recording on November 24th, 2020. Thank you for listening in. It seems like it's starting to get worse and worse now with this uh, second wave of the pandemic. Although here in upstate New York, it hasn't been too bad, but it there has been some signs, especially when you see some things shutting down a little bit for a while, which includes bars, and knowing that there are some people that I know that are quarantining, quarantining themselves because they'd rather not drink in the, in the privacy of their own home and apartment. Honestly, I mean, you get you buy a 12-pack of beer, and you basically are paying less than what you do by getting a drink at the bar. That's just my thought. Uh, anyway, uh, for this episode, well, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Breaker. So... Not a whole lot to talk about for this episode, but you know I'll usually get an hour of this podcast. And as always, the last month or so, <laughs> uh, talk about Toy Story at 25, Xbox 360 at 15, one or two other things in sports, including the uh, suspension of Robinson Cano. And the main thing for this episode, which I'll begin with, console buyers guide. So, this is something I have done over the last uh, two years since the podcast began, and it's interesting to see where things are now in 2020. Two years ago, talked about, you know, the PS4, Xbox One, and the uh, Switch, talked very briefly on the... uh, some of the previous generation of systems and some of the ones that were in big decline like the uh, Vita and the 3DS. So I'm not sure how much I'll get out of this part, but I'll try to talk about it as best as I can. So I'll start off with, with the dead systems and... I think we've really reached the peak now, where you know the the only way you can get most of your uh, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Wii, Wii U, 3DS, and uh, Vita is through your uh, local used game stores, pawn shops, whatever, whatever places you can find or yard sales if they even have any uh most stores now aren't really carrying those those systems anymore well those games anymore i mean they haven't had systems in a long long time and it's very telling because i really haven't seen any uh 2ds systems at, at the stores and you know at the GameStop of my location, they don't have any more of the older systems. That's and that's very telling. And the funny thing is, I remember like four or five years ago, going going into Walmart, and you know, kept seeing the same handfuls of games for like the 360 for the PS3, and at my particular location, they still have PS3 and 360. And I wish I could say it would apply to other stores around the you know the country, but that may not be the case. And from the titles I've seen, it's the same titles that I've seen over and over, like Sonic Unleashed, Left 4 Dead, uh, Fallout 3, and Fallout New Vegas, uh, a couple Lego games, Lego Batman, Lego Marvel Super Heroes, Uh, Sniper, Ghost Warrior, uh, Call of Duty, World at War, uh, Red Dead Redemption. I just think, you know, people aren't really getting into buying whatever overstock that that the store has. And people have moved on. So it's probably just getting more difficult and difficult to... um, to for them to to move these products and they're not they're not they're not expensive i mean they're like 13 14 dollars a game uh and they might just need to take their loss and maybe just sell them for like 5 bucks or something like i've seen GTA 5 on the 360 for for 10 and what's funny actually is that back around july in august um for PS3 GTA 5 they only had one copy or maybe like one or two copies and they were selling them for like $3 that's a that's a bargain at this point that's like a huge bargain cuz the game usually goes for what like 10 to 20 for for the previous gen systems i mean it's still like Twenty or more, depending on which version you get for the current systems. I think it's like thirty for PC as well. So yeah, your best bet is is a used game store, or pawn shop, or what, any place that sells the older stuff that isn't you know a Target or a Best Buy or any of that. So with that, I'll jump into the uh, current batch of systems that are out so I'll begin with the PS4 and the uh, Xbox One I don't have too much to say on on these two systems uh, pick your preference really I mean it depends on whether you like the Sony output stuff, if you like some of the features for it Or, if you like, what Xbox is offering, you know, in terms of, like, backwards compatibility and uh, certain Microsoft franchises. Because they share most of the same library altogether. And I said it last year, it'd be the last really huge year for the, uh, for both of them. I might be a little wrong. I I mean, I might be right a little bit, but I might be wrong a little bit as well. Because, I mean... Even with the PS Five and the Xbox Series X slash S being out, I mean, there are still plenty of people that still want to continue playing on on the on the on the big systems, and which I'll get into a tiny bit with uh, PS Five. They got a few of their games, you know, like Sackboy and uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Those games are also on the. Uh, PlayStation Four, so it's not like Sony's being arrogant and saying forcing people to play these games on on the newer systems. I mean, they're still giving people you know a chance to you know still play these games you know on on the systems that they have in their homes. Yeah, and that's that's a rare sight actually because I think the only thing I could think of like a big name title from uh, from uh, Sony was when uh, Little Big Planet 3 came out, and it came out on not just the PS4, but also on the PS3. Like 2014 was really like the last big year altogether for for PS3. Not to say that the next two years were bad or anything, but you know, it's like your your comp- your third-party companies are moving on maybe there's a few that will still stick around a little bit but and that will apply to PlayStation 4 and Xbox 1 i think there's still a, another year or two where people will still see companies making legions of titles but when you look at you know you see like you know Watch Dogs Legion Crash Bandicoot cyberpunk and other titles that are out or are about to come out you can tell you know that they're prepping up for the future they'll probably have some small games here and there and i would say by like 2022 2023 if i had to estimate that's where you'll see the uh, see the support be pretty low how much people will still support it i don't well how much more companies will support it i'm not sure but i would think they would get 10-year lifespans altogether and that's something I, i was thinking about you know with Going back to PS three and three sixty is the fact that they're online is still still on. The servers are still on. Now a number of the games, obviously their servers are off, but how much longer till until Microsoft and Sony pull the plug on their systems on those systems, I don't know. I mean I said if it wasn't gonna shut down this year, I think it would shut down in twenty twenty one. I mean, I'll be surprised if it goes on further than 2021. It's just, with the way these systems are, they're more than just gaming systems. You know, that's really, it's really the the last generation was really the first to uh, to offer more than just being game consoles. And you saw that with the uh, with the PSP, the uh, not sure about the DS, but PSP, PS3, 360, even the Wii. I think the Wii had some stuff, you know, like like weather and, like, I, I think at some point they did get a YouTube app and maybe Netflix. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I feel like it did at some point. But, I don't know. And then, of course, you got the uh, Nintendo Switch doing, like, gangbusters right now three and a half years later. I think a lot of it is the portable aspect of it and the fact you could play it on the go or in your home. Uh, Animal Crossing, which is... I don't know. um, It's just... It's weird. I don't know what it is. It just seems like if it's, like, portable... Animal Crossing is a huge hit. When it's a home console game, it does okay. Maybe it's the type of game where it's like you got an hour to kill, you on your ride to work or you know maybe a vacation for yourself. I mean, maybe it's one of those games you'll pick up, play for an hour, you forget about it until maybe the next day or maybe sometime later in like the evening or whatever. Um, you still got the big name titles. You still got you know, you still got Breath of the Wild, you got Mario Odyssey, and it's all these other big name Nintendo exclusives, and all three systems have some pretty big uh, indie games altogether. Hundreds to choose from altogether. Uh, I haven't really seen an original model uh, Switch. But I, see, but I see Switch lights, and I'm kind of a little bummed that there that there's not a regular Switch. I would like to find one for myself and, you know, play it on the go or uh, or in, in the dock. Why not? The best of both worlds. I mean, a, a great concept. But that being said, the amount of support that it has, yes, there's plenty of support, but how much success will there still be for the switch because next year will mark 4 years in uh, march and you so i'm sure there are people that will wonder when the next nintendo system comes out that's a i mean that's a that's a tough pill to swallow a bitter pill to swallow because I mean, they, there's this big momentum, and it just seems like, at times, Nintendo finds a way to screw up. Like they, they they squander opportunities. Yeah, it, it, at least with the home consoles, it seems like great momentum with the Super NES, and they squander it with the N64, squander it with the GameCube, rebound with the Wii, and uh, squander with all that again with the Wii U, and now they're back up with, with the Switch. I mean it it has to be something good and there'll probably be some gimmick thrown into that system potentially. I I mean right now this the switch will definitely have a few more years left under its belt before before companies jump ship. I think one of the big questions is when it heads into twenty twenty one is what Games can Nintendo offer? Like that, I mean, is there a likelihood of a Breath of the Wild 2? Could there be a new Mario game at some point? Uh, could there be like an actual new Mario Kart or something? I don't know. But it definitely feels like a holdover with some of these titles that were Wii games or original titles like ARMS and trying to. Get people interested in more than just Mario, Zelda, and Pokemon. I mean, why not a portable F Zero? Or why not bring back something like Punch Out? Or get like a get a new Donkey Kong, not not Tropical Freeze. Like get get some get some pe- stuff that people maybe listen to people a little bit, maybe understand why people want to see something new. Like from some of these old franchises. It's just weird when they bring back certain stuff, like, say, Kid Icarus, for example. And, like, the first time since, like, what, the early 90s, and then in 2012 comes out for 3DS, and there hasn't been anything new. I like that they actually are giving Luigi attention. That's what they did last year with uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. Like, they're actually putting some effort into... Yes, it's a Mario franchise thing, but still, Luigi getting attention. That's a good thing. They need to apply that to other Mario characters, too. Uh, Well, actually, you know what? They have a little bit. With the Toad game that came out in 2014, why not make a Princess Peach game again? I mean, that seems like it'd be a cool idea. I'm sure I'm getting off topic on all that, but just... I just, I don't know how much more time the Switch will have left in terms of, of support. I, I'd say maybe like two, three more years. There's, get at least six, seven years, and I don't know, you get one or two years where it's, you know, you'll get some titles, and then it goes quiet. Now, as far as the new systems go... um If you're interested in it, go right ahead. Just from my personal opinion, I don't think they're worth it yet. I think I would like to see what is out within that first year, and maybe it's just me, but I have a preference for PlayStation, and I feel like some of the games that are exclusive to PlayStation, I feel like it has that edge over... uh, over Xbox Series X and S, and the fact that they're digital is uh, not not 360 gigs out of 500. It's like like 700 or 800 out of one terabyte. Uh, but you know, backwards compatibility on PS4 and yeah, there is um, backwards compatibility from from. Or xbox from all their systems but it's not exactly the greatest concern it doesn't really have all the... it has like a small amount of xbox titles decent amount of 360 not all and i think like most of the xbox one so I mean there's I mean there's reasons but I don't know, I, I, I would like to wait a year like I said for on titles maybe see if there's a price cut as well I mean they're I mean 500 I mean it's not prohibitive but it's not Hey, I'm gonna get it. Same thing with, like, the, um... Digital versions, like... eh, I don't know. So that's about it for the, uh... Console Buyer's Guide. And speaking of Xbox... So... It's been 15 years since the Xbox 360 first came out. Back in November of 2005. So it was really the big console that kicked off the seventh generation of of gaming and the the hand, there were handhelds before with the DS and the PSP so it wasn't new new but it was within that first year at least here in the states of where you started seeing the new hardware and with Xbox, they wanted to get their hat in the ring early. Uh, when you look at the original system, uh, it 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 had stuff, and I feel like I feel like Xbox gets overrated a little bit, and people only comment on the graphics, and which I'll admit, the graphics are really good, but I feel like it's like the only selling point to it. And it nobody really talks about the games, and, I'm, and there are some games that do interest me, but I don't know. It's just I always feel like, I feel like it gets overrated now these days. Maybe if I tried more games, maybe I'll see a different thought in mind. But and to be honest, I really never had much experience with the original Xbox. My, my older brother had one. I think I only played it like once or twice, and it was played like a like an NBA game, like NBA Live, like a practice mode, if I remember correctly. Don't really remember too much. But anyway, uh, 360. I mean, it it was advertised heavily throughout its first four or five years. Like I remember the commercials. Like they had commercials with Halo Three. That was like one of the big things in like 2007. That I remember. Uh, they had that gamer fuel thing with the uh, mountain dew, and I think that's one of the big things that I've seen on like like I don't know I don't know what it is, but it seems like it's the stereotype of like of gamers or something or people that aren't gamers casuals that eat mountain dew eat Doritos and drink mountain dew. I don't know where that stereotype came from. At all, maybe it just but I feel like it came about in a bigger rate with the 360. Um, big issues throughout the first couple of years that included like the Red Ring of Death, which the system was like overheating and all that. It's just too many issues early on, but that's but still good advertising and strong support actually for the 360. It had its share of digital games from the get go. Uh, It had better performance for the most part, and that's something I'll say that, in my opinion, gives the 360 over the edge, the edge over the uh, PlayStation 3, is that the games just run smoother. They just are better, just more refined. Maybe the fact that it's a, a friendlier system to develop games for, Maybe that's why it does, though it's not about its hiccups. You know, prime example being uh, Bethesda games, Skyrim, and uh, the Fallout games. They have a tendency to freeze, and I'm sure there are other games that are like that as well, but probably not as big of a rate compared to what Bethesda had in terms of issues. And actually, one of the things I would like to look at are games that Telltale made. Late in the 360's life because I had issues running uh, Game of Thrones on uh, PS3 I went through the entire game but the big thing was uh, the, the loading late in the game it just seemed like just getting to the intro of an episode it took like 2-3 minutes like the load times were, were like a big issue well anyway uh my first experience with 360 was kind of a little late in 2009 and i think for my younger brother um uh, it was like a year earlier or something and his buddies had uh, three like xbox 360s and that that's what you know to this day he's more of an xbox guy than he is uh PlayStation but I digress anyway uh, the first game I I played was the uh, original version uh, version of uh, halo 3 and played with with six others uh, we did a system link which is which is interesting and actually tried it recently with my younger brother and we I mean, we did some tests with some of the games. We tested out, like, Call of Duty Ghosts, uh, Dead Island, but one of the things we... It was actually pretty fun playing uh, Call of Duty Black Ops. We went did like, three and a half hours of, uh, of zombies. I think we got to, like, round 28, and it was just you know, we had to eat eat, eat dinner. <laughs> so I mean, but for what we did, I mean, we did an amazing job of of just going after hordes after hordes of zombies with that. Now compare that to my first experience of System Link with uh, with Halo Three. Bad experience, and I I got my ass kicked. remember <laughs> because I've never really been a huge fan of Halo. I've never really played it. To be honest, I would love to play the series because I do love first-person shooters, and I definitely have expanded my horizon a little bit with, you know, playing like Duke Nukem 64 and you know, Duke Nukem 3D and uh, Quake 1 and 2, you know, playing uh, GoldenEye uh, more, having having a copy of GoldenEye, uh, Perfect Dark, you know, playing more of the uh, Medal of Honor games. A little bit playing, playing more of the Wolfenstein stuff, playing, playing id stuff in general. So, with 2010, the middle of the year of, of 2010, so my younger brother and myself, we got a 360, and this was right around, I think, before they started phasing out the original model that they had since launch, but it was like the ones where like the system was better better assembled and it was like 120 gigabytes and we got Halo 3, ODST, and Forza Motorsport 3 I think and you know it's not bad for a packing game but you know what Uh, we got some other games during that time like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 uh, GTA 4 I think Call of Duty 4 uh, i trying to think of other games that we got around that time. Uh, the Simpsons... Actually, I got a funny story with the Simpsons game. So... I picked up a copy of Metal, Metal Gear Solid 2 for the original Xbox because I had heard that Xbox... There were Xbox games that could work on 360. and I didn't know at the time... That that game didn't work on three sixties. I was kind of bummed out, but you know I could trade it back in, and in exchange I got in exchange for uh, the th- the Simpsons ga- the Simpsons game, and I that was like one of the first games I really sunk a lot of hours into, and it was like I think it was like the first three sixty game I beat. It was it was really fun actually. I I got to experience that a lot, but. You know, being a first-year college student and going away from home for, for two years and, you know, coming home for the weekends every once in a while, I didn't have much time with the uh, 360. I mean, I I played here and there. I mean, played Call of Duty 4, played, you know, GTA 4 a little bit here and there. Um, the Simpsons game, uh, I think I played a little Madden 11. Uh, trying to think of other games uh not much else really within that first year or so and then like 2011 started to pick up some of my own games like uh dead rising that's how i've grown to love the uh, dead rising games you know even though the first game's not programmed all that well to be honest and Medal Medal of honor airborne uh definitely got some enjoyment out of it though the difficulty can be a little rough in some edges at some points, actually, <laughs> um, got Sonic Generations. I'm really trying to think of games that I I had within those first uh, couple of years. Like Duke, Duke and Forever, played a lot of it on the uh, 360. I think I played a little bit more of it later on, like during the lifespan of the 360. I'm trying to think of other games uh, I, I remember playing a lot of GTA 4 in like tw- at like the end of 2012 and into 2013 like i spent like a good like six seven months going through the single player and just trying to do every little thing in the game and you know, it was it was fun yeah you know, i think it's overrated you know played you know, like GTA five when it was like the hot new title. Uh, played some of the free stuff, like Dead Rising Two. Played Dead Island, uh, Mafia Two, uh, Tomb Raider. You know, within those next couple of years, and getting my own uh, my own uh, 360 in in 2014 as a Christmas gift. You know, and getting able. Being able to play games at my own pace and do other stuff, you know, play like, playing like the Fallout games, actually, you know, playing them completely. Uh, actually, those were some of the games I got in 2012. Actually, Fallout, Fallout New Vegas in 2012, though I got a complete version like a few years later. Same thing with uh, Fallout 3, but I got Fallout 3 at a yard sale in uh, 2013. Uh, Red Dead Redemption was a yard sale find. Uh Driver San Francisco was as well. Uh Battlefield Three. Uh, I'm trying to think of other games like Halo Reach. Halo Reach was a Christmas gift, actually. I have to I I really would have to take a look at what I have because, because I've bought a lot more over the last five years than I have that had, like, the first five years of ha- of having played an Xbox 360. Like, I know there's plenty of stuff, but I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I would have to put my... I would have to look at some point, but it's like, you know, finding games like, you know, the Orange Box and Eddie Cell, you know, I'm trying to think of what else... Family Guy, actually, Max Paint three at like uh, GameStop. Uh, Trying to see what else, like, not much else really. I don't think I got much else for like for like Christmas. I mean, most of my stuff since the end of 2015 has been mostly bought at like GameStop, and that was when they were like selling the games out for like very cheap. And actually, some of my late finds have come over the last year or so, finding, like, NBA Jam and, uh, like, NBA Street, I think I got. Prototype games. I mean, like, it's unfortunate. But you know what? I mean, the games are probably still going to be quite cheap. Although one of the more ridiculous things was going to a... uh uh, game store recently and finding MLB 2K13 for like $55. I know it's the last baseball game that 2K made, but that's not worth $55. I mean, it's not worth 15 either, at another store. But, anyway, um, you know, I, have, I had a lot of enjoyment with the uh, Xbox 360, and, you know, it's one system I'll definitely appreciate. Definitely in my top five uh, best systems of all time, uh, behind the Sega Genesis and PlayStation 1 and 2. Definitely a lot of fun to be had with it. Um, I would try and find one that has a decent hard drive, uh, maybe a slim version of it. Just make sure you, you get one that's like 120 to... I don't know, up to 500 gigabytes. Don't buy with the 4 gigabyte ones. They're not worth your time. Moving on. As far as movies go, there's been this one th- one film that has been doing okay, but it's like a cheap, budgeted horror movie and it's from Bloom House. And that is uh, Freaky, which is... Uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, Catherine Newton about uh, I think it's like a vicious killer. I think it's supposed. I think they like switch bodies or, or something. I think that's what it is. And you know what? Horror still sells. People want to see something at the movie theater, even during. You know, a pandemic like this. I mean, I mean, some nice distractions. But considering this wave, maybe most of the theaters in the country will probably shut down again, and or at least until they get the get this vaccine out that supposedly Pfizer has. I mean, if if it if it works the way that it intends, then I mean, hopefully by springtime, people will not have that feeling of dread and they can go back to work or just tr- just do normal things and hang out with friends or family, you know. I mean, there really hasn't been much else. I think there was like a, was like a Jackie Chan film that made it into the top three, but it's like, a, it's, you're, they're not making much money. And that's the case with all this stuff. I think 2020 will end domestically with uh, Bad Boys for Life being the highest grossing film of of 2020 <laughs> 200, at 200 million dollars. Yeah, people see much higher numbers over the last 10 years, but and there's been a there's been actually been some movies that have been getting made recently. I mean, The Matrix 4 Wrapped up shooting in the last couple weeks, and there was like a big deal over like uh, having a rap party. And they uh, they read it in like on a a website that it was like they did it in a way where they acted like they were shooting a scene, and I don't know, I guess it bothered some people. There's actually like, there's actually some some stuff from like i think like uncharted uncharted got finished well finished up with his production I'm not sure if I talked about this stuff or not but if I did I'm sorry but it's just it I just want to see some movies in the theater but I also want to do it with with knowing that I'm not going to have to deal with coronavirus or anything like that so it is a little it is a little frustrating, but it is what it is. Not much I can really say. Uh, there was something with uh, Avatar two, I think. Uh, well, like they had us they've, they've been filming their stuff recently. I think they had like a record for like someone holding their breath in a movie. It's like I think it was like a I think like look like seven minutes from uh, actress Kate Winslet. It's just interesting. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like maybe for Hollywood standards, it's pretty good. I'm I'm surprised someone can hold their breath for that long. I, I think I would have a tough time doing something like that. I think a lot of people would. And I think she broke a record that Tom Cruise did. I wouldn't be surprised if it was from like that from like Mission Impossible or something. That guy is a crazy nut when it comes to stunts. And the one thing I mentioned at the the top of this uh, episode, 25 years since the first Toy Story movie. So right around this time, back in 95, came Pixar's first first, uh, theatrical movie. So Pixar... They formed around in uh, 1986. It was, it was. I think it was founded by people that used to work at LucasArts. if I remember correctly. And they dabbled with computer generated imagery, and that's what a number of their early works were. They were, they were testing grounds for what they could do as far as animation goes, like, like. Their logo, at times, they'll have the uh, that lamp in place of the eye for Pixar. And that was one of their early shorts, uh, Luxo Jr. of two, two lamps, one messing with a uh, ball. That would later be like something you see in Toy Story. They did some other stuff in the late 80s, early 90s. It's easy to look at CGI now these days, but back then it was it was very ambitious because a lot of your animated work was was hand drawn. it took a long time to get made, and that was something that was the case for a long time. I mean like there would be times for movies where they spent a, they spent a couple of years uh, just making the damn thing. And, you know, you weren't sure what your product would be like until it came out a couple years later. And for the most part, some people might say CGI is easy. I'm not sure about that. And like I said, it was pretty ambitious. And a lot of people were not buying into it, especially knowing that Disney was on a roll In '95, considering that following the disastrous uh, results of the rescuers down under, uh, *Beauty and the the Beast* was critically acclaimed, did really well in theaters. *Aladdin* was the number one movie domestically in 1992. Uh, *Lion King* fought viciously against *Forrest Gump* and was like one of the top box office movies in '94. And while looking up on uh, Box Office Mojo, how long it was in theaters, it it was out of theaters for a small part in the fall of uh, 94. Then it came back later that year and had like a couple more months in theaters. And this was a, this was actually a summer movie, by the way, when that came out in uh, June of 94. So it had like three, four months in theaters. It was gone for like a month or two and then came back around the Christmas holiday, I think, or maybe Thanksgiving, I forget, and left the theater again in uh, early 95. I mean, it did, did pretty well. I think it was like Disney's biggest traditional animated film. So, I mean, and the, the people were loving the stories, the songs, the animation, like... I mean you're doing a movie that it's going to look dated as crap sometime down the road but I think what helps Toy Story is that it it, it doesn't rely on the usual Disney tropes like, like the, their movies feel unique and that's I think one thing it doesn't feel like it's an at times idiotic kids film and while it's well I wouldn't apply that to some of Disney's stuff from like the 90's and 80's and all that but like it felt like it was a film you could watch any time of any age like it didn't like I said it didn't rely on songs it didn't like it it focused on being good screenplays good development of characters at times you know funny stuff you know serious moments like that like like Pixar put a lot of effort into it, and basically, with with the first Toy Story, you know, you have uh, your main lead being a cowboy doll, Woody, and all these, you know, Legion of Toys. You know, includes a Slinky Dog, a potato, Mister Potato Head, and you know, a dinosaur, you know, Rex, and, and all these other characters. On paper, it doesn't seem like the greatest plot in the world when you have um, a new toy come in Buzz Lightyear flashy and all that I mean I think it's just the way they develop the characters like like, and it's and it's at a good pace actually it's actually moves very quick I think it's like an hour twenty that's an extremely quick movie but it's able to get its points across from point A to point B without any filler crap, and pretty pretty good budget for 95 standards. I think it was like 30 million dollars, which uh, which says something because considering I think like Lion King was 45 million, and that's considering the amount of stars that that were in Toy Story. I mean, without I mean, it was like, like, like if you there, you knew most of the casts of uh, Toy Story. I mean, they were pretty recognizable actors altogether. I mean, they did lots of comedies, you know, their own comedies altogether, and just unbelievable. And it paved the way for, you know, Pixar becoming a dominant powerhouse in terms of movies that garnered critical acclaim. Nominated for awards and huge success at the box office. That's why, you know, it's like they had huge success with A Bug's Life three years later. Toy Story 2 in 99, uh, Monsters Incorporated 2001, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars. Like, they were able to get movies out on a on a consistent basis and be well-regarded And really, I think their most well regarded stuff is the Toy Story films. And at the same time, it also saw a competitor in DreamWorks. And they tried to get an edge on them at times. You know, I think like their first big movie was, what, Ants? Back in 98, I think, right around when. I think it came out shortly before Bugs Life did. And, of course, their biggest claim to fame is the Shrek films, which it did four of and a uh, spin-off. It, but it also showed the decline of uh, traditional animation altogether. And even within Disney's realm of stuff, I mean, I don't think any of their films with traditional animation they reached anywhere to the level of what Lion King did like even when even within when Toy Story first came about and there wasn't a huge demand for people that wanted to see CGI films I think people were I think people were getting a little tired of of Disney at at points And that's not to say their movies did terribly in theaters but I think critics. I don't think. I don't think a lot of people like Pocahontas in '95. I want to say people did like *Hunchback of Notre Dame*. People did like *Hercules*, and that actually had a decent cast. You know, that included some pretty big actors. Um, *Mulan* pretty well received, I thought. *Tarzan*. I think it's like once you get to like the early 2000s of of Disney that. And inconsistency. I think people liked people liked Emperor's New Groove. I think people liked Atlantis, but I think it was I think it was a failure. Lilo and Stitch did really well, and I think a lot of people loved that. I think Treasure was it Treasure Island, I think, or Treasure Planet? I think it was Treasure Planet. I think that movie I think was panned, and I don't think I think that was like a major bomb in theaters. I think the decline also the decline in other stuff like Don Bluth movies not doing really well in theaters. And I think if, uh, of a number of his films were getting panned in the uh, in the in the mid to late nineties. I think there was also the amount of uh direct to video movies from Disney that I think people are aware of, but honestly, does anyone give a crap? I would say not really. Yeah, I mean, Toy Story did a lot of things. It it marked the end of certain things. It marked the rise of certain things. I mean, honestly, to me, probably my favorite CGI Disney film, and the the franchise altogether. I mean, probably one of the best franchises ever. And having the opportunity to you know, you know, see these movies as a kid and an adult to see the last one in theaters last year. I mean, you know, such a great experience, you know, to to see what they would do, the various shorts, the video games. I mean, just really a well-respected franchise, and honestly, I do wonder if they will make a Toy Story 5 or anything like that. I don't think they will. I wouldn't think so, especially with some of the voice actors, some of the actors passing away. You know, over the last couple of years, you know, I, I mean, I, I think just let it be. You know, I don't think there's any reason to keep milking it or anything, even though it's not really a milked franchise. So yeah, Toy Story at twenty-five, one of the greatest animated movies ever. So going on to. To sports, and by the way, not really much for uh, television. It's just, it's hard to get excited for television before I go to sports. It's just, just, I don't know, nothing really that catches my eye or anything. Although that Walker reboot on CW that will come out in two months will be interesting. I don't know, it just seems like, it just seems weird. I mean, how do you? I mean, the original had Chuck Norris. Need I say more? Need I say more? Though it probably wasn't acquired taste. <laughs> so with with baseball, definitely a lot of things you you know that probably <sighs> I just keep I just keep. Thinking now with the uh, with the Houston Astros, and it just seems like it just keeps showing up the, the whole cheating scandal thing, and it and with uh, General Manager Jeff Lunow suing Owner Jim Crane about being the scapegoat or something. It just it's a it's a disaster altogether, and the fact that. This was a guy I brought up I think last year uh Mike Bolzinger, who got rocked by the uh by the Astros when he pitched against them and that was he he pitched his final game against them and he gave up a lot of runs hits hasn't played in major league baseball since I think he went to the Japan leagues a couple of years ago. I think now is trying to I think say that he was the scapegoat of all of it and thinking that Rob Manfred and Jim Crane made a deal together. I don't know. I mean, I I I would I feel like uh, I feel like Crane and Lunau knew what they were doing and it's just it, I think it just bothers people a lot because that no one really got punished. And that's probably the most frustrating thing out of all this, you know, of all the suspensions. And they are I mean, the suspensions didn't even last that long for A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora. The fact that Hinch has a job now with the Detroit Tigers, and Cora is now back as the manager of the Boston Red Sox. I mean, it's just, shouldn't this punishment have lasted longer One of these days, I mean, Rob Manfred. Uh, I think it'll be much sooner than later that probably Manfred will probably be out of the commissioner's job. Just the way he's handled the last year or so, it's just just been really poor. I mean, this is, I mean, this is really bad. I mean, I had wor- even worse than the whole steroid stuff that happened. 15 years ago and speaking of speaking of performance enhancing you can kiss the hall of fame goodbye, Robinson Cano. What are you thinking, man? So, Cano suspended the entire 2021 season testing positive a second time for PEDs. I believe he got busted, I think, like three, four years ago, I think. I'm not too familiar. But it was definitely when he was with the Mariners. And you would think, okay, maybe he learned his lesson once, maybe he won't do it again. Nope. And that's the unfortunate side of Cano. It's like, he, he was a great hitter. I don't really remember much of his defense, but I don't remember it being putrid or anything. It's just capable of hitting home runs, hundred RBIs, you know, and maybe anywhere from like two ninety to three ten, three twenty average. I mean, I know players can struggle late in their careers, but I mean, I mean, there's some that do well, but. PEDs again? Like, it's just... It's a shame because, I mean, I watched him a number of years when he was with the Yankees and it seemed like there was nothing wrong and maybe maybe it was kind of a good thing they didn't give him a huge contract. I mean, that was That's one of the things I'm looking at for 2021. This is going to be the final year for the LA Angels and their... Uh, deal with Albert Pujols. Honestly, probably one of the worst deals ever, but it's not like he was that awful. By the way, I think in terms of long-term contracts, really bad. But when you look at some of the other ones, are like three, four-year deals. I mean, Ryan Howard had a pretty bad contract and uh, Chris Davis of Baltimore, I mean, this has got to be probably one of the worst performing players based on a contract that netted him so much money in the long run. Like, there's much worse than Pujols, but long term wise, probably the probably the worst. And it's ridiculous the amount of money that's being pushed out to these to these players of all sports, and that's definitely going to be something to look at over the next couple of years. I mean, especially as seeing some NBA stuff. I mean, Donovan Mitchell signing a five year one hundred ninety five million dollar deal to stay with Utah. Thirty nine million a year. I mean do players I mean do players really need that much money? And I know rosters are small on the NBA I'm amazed he even stuck with uh, with the Jazz, considering all the all the issues back when the pandemic began, like him and uh, Rudy Gobert uh, testing positive, mm-hmm. effectively canning all sports around the early mid part of March. And not to mention, I mean, the NBA is going to take some take some big losses. I mean, they saved. I mean, they saved a lot of money with that bubble, but it may not be enough. It may not be enough. Now, there was a couple other people I think that were starting to get some huge deals as well. I think it was like the Atlanta Hawks got their share of people. I think Drew Holiday going to Milwaukee, I and mean, some of these teams are bolstering to make a run for the finals. And I think. I think Milwaukee is trying to do whatever they can to get Giannis uh, a chance to win a title. And there's just so many so many changes, and you, know, you wonder who's going to be the top dog in basketball. Probably right now it's still the L.A. Lakers, but is there anyone that can out, out-duel them? I don't know. And as I look at the NFL in terms of, like, these big paying contracts, I mean, I'm going to start off with uh, one of the big obvious ones. Carson Wentz. Next year, he's going to get paid four years and $128 million. $32 million a year. And with the way he's been playing this year, oh, my goodness. Two interceptions against Cleveland, sacked a number of times. One of the interceptions actually being a pick six. I think he fumbled it once in a game that Cleveland snuck by with a win, thanks to that defense and a rushing touchdown out of uh, Kareem Hunt. I believe they got a safety as well and um, a couple field goals. So that, I mean, that's that tells you a lot of the defense carrying the team and reaching a 7-3 and three record. Throughout the 2010s, they did not reach, I believe, eight wins at any point. The fact that they're one win away from doing it before the end of November, that says something. And they hold second place in the AFC North following the overtime loss that Baltimore had against the Tennessee Titans I think there'll definitely be some stuff that has to be fixed in uh, Cleveland you know if Baker Mayfield can actually play well and probably probably one of the best months and probably one of the most pressurized months for the Cleveland Browns that they haven't seen in probably 13 years going back to the last time they had an actual good season. Now, as far as Philadelphia goes, and this will probably go into the NFC East as a whole, as I talk later on, I mean, there's going to be a lot of question marks into whether Carson Wentz can even be a good player. And he can be a good player. It's just the health issues, if the consistencies... I mean, even the run game not being as good, and obviously the defense took a big hit this year. Philly fans can turn on their players in a, in a flash, or their coach for that matter. And probably Doug Peterson's on the hot seat in terms of the fans' perspective. So going back to Baltimore and uh, Tennessee, uh, Ryan Tannehill, eh, some struggles, but he he managed to have a. Pretty good afternoon altogether. And Derrick Henry getting the game-winning touchdown. Another big game out of him. It's going to be a tight race between who's the best rusher in the NFL. Him or uh, Dalvin Cook, which I'll get to later on. Baltimore starting to crumble. I don't know if it's just too much hype or what, but... Their run game just hasn't been all too great, although J.K. Dobbins had a decent afternoon altogether. Uh, Tight end, Mark Andrews, solid as usual. But just that defense not holding up, it's end of the bargain a little bit. Lamar Jackson, eh, his play has been kind of erratic. Don't know what to tell you. Just not good altogether right now. Carolina shutting out Detroit. 17-0 17 nothing i believe it was and the defense did really well i mean with detroit you think okay they get a win they get to 500 and they have something to be happy a little bit before they face houston on uh thanksgiving nope nothing altogether and their run game was pretty much disastrous I mean, Carolina can be a decent team, I guess, and they're doing this without Christian McCaffrey. I believe he still has that what was it knee issue that's going on right now. Like he came back, what was it last week and got hurt again and so man, some bad luck, but they're still they're still playing okay. But Then a winning streak snapped as the Denver Broncos beat the Miami Dolphins. And this is the type of thing that we see again as time after time after time. The time where Ryan Fitzpatrick, who can be good at times, fits magic, or he can be bad, fits tragic. Jeez. I don't know what to tell you on that, but that was a costly interception. And Denver relied on their ground game. Melvin Gordon had a pretty good day altogether. Two touchdowns, I believe he had. I mean, one of the good things about Miami is that New England lost. And I was kind of kind of stunned a little bit about the... Uh, about the game, I mean, I didn't think uh, I didn't think the Texans could hold on and win, but they did with the uh, success of uh, Deshaun Watson. Up oh, twenty to nothing was that Panther game against uh, Detroit. Never mind, my bad. I mean, Cam Newton had a pretty good game, but that but that offense, as far as running the ball. I don't know what it is, but it's like Damian Harris. I mean, he's pretty much their only good guy out of the bunch. But they did lose uh, Rex Burkhead. I believe it was like a, I think they said it was like a torn ACL. If not, it was like a really bad knee injury. So he, he was actually been doing decent over the last couple of weeks, Burkhead. So I believe three touchdowns all by Watson. He threw two. And ran for one. Who was the other ones? I think Randall Cobb got one in this Kuti guy. So, what else? Who else? Pittsburgh stays 10-0. and Defense playing on a new level. The Saluton guy, four interceptions. Whew. Let's see. Uh, Roethlisberger, a couple touchdowns. James Conner, getting back to where he was. No touchdown, but still, it's a sign of things to come. Keep your eye on this uh, Chase Claypool guy. I think he's up to, like, ten touchdowns now, total. Eight receiving, two rushing. Like, this guy... If if he's not Rookie of the Year, he's very close. Like, he's very, very close. Um... Saints having a big game against the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan, oof, Ugly, ugly, ugly. A couple of interceptions and the run game, not there. Although, Calvin Ridley had a pretty good game altogether. 90 yards receiving. A lot of the offense for New Orleans came through their rushing attack. Taysom Hill with two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara having... Uh, having a touchdown and I mean he's I a mean, much better year to for twenty twenty than he did uh than he did last year. He surpassed his receiving I think from last year, like a few weeks ago. So that's just something. Uh, Washington, pretty big win altogether. I believe uh, Alex Smith, pretty pedestrian game, but this Gibson guy, I mean, some inconsistency, but he's still a pretty good, pretty good guy. You know, if it's not the rushing yards that helps, it's the touchdowns that he gets. Although with uh, Cincinnati, pretty bad. That uh, Joe Burrow, who threw a score in the game, uh, torn ACL, torn NCL, and they I believe his, his knee got messed up pretty badly. And uh, a few of those uh, Washington players actually, uh, you know, consoled him and talked to him. I didn't know that Burrow was a redshirt and he was a backup at Ohio State. I mean, it does mean something to some of these guys that, you know, played at the alma maters, at, at their alma mater, or was with were with them. I think it was like Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young, and uh, Terry McLaurin. And that's, I mean, basically a Carson Palmer situation. You know, a you know, promising young player and, you know, times where he's hurt badly. You know, something people don't want to see. Unfortunate, th- he, end he ends his year on a decent... And decent, well, that, there's nothing decent about what, what, what happened. But decent numbers altogether. You hope for him to come back in 2021, if not 2022. Pretty late in the year for that type of injury, as far as, like, a quarterback goes. Uh, Chargers actually survive their game against the New York Jets. And if it's not Claypool for Pittsburgh... Justin Herbert is making a good case for being rookie of the year and for what he's been able to do since taking over as the starter really early in the season I mean he's compiled some really good stats and like 360 yards passing in his game against the Jets three touchdowns I mean the big thing was uh Keenan Allen I mean this guy just plays week in and week out and it's just unbelievable what he's been able to do. Probably one of the more underrated guys that you'll see out of the, uh, out of like anyone that, that sees wide receivers play. Kind of surprised at Dallas winning against uh, Minnesota. But Andy Dalton, I mean, I think there were people that were like criticizing it. I mean, you need someone with veteran experience, and I mean the Danucci guy wasn't really all that great. It was a Garrett Gilbert, Gilbert Garrett. I forget. It's one or the other. He he looked fine, but that's not a guy you kind of pin your hopes on to uh, to win you games. And you know Dalton, pretty good all together. Uh, not so much the yards, but three touchdowns. uh, Ezekiel Elliott hit 100 yards for the first time this season. 103 rushing. And, you know, I mean, they played pretty well. Uh, Minnesota just let it slip at the end. And, you know, their chances of making the playoffs do get a little slimmer. Despite uh, Adam Thielen with two scores and Dalvin Cook continuing to be one of the best backs in the league right now. and Colts sneaking by with a win against Green Bay. And, I mean, looking at that fumble from Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling, I mean, it happens. And just before recording, hearing about the death threats that he's getting, I mean, that's that's a shame. I mean, it's, it, it's sad to see that from a fumble. And this has happened with, like, field goals in college football, like people taking the college football too seriously. I mean, he had an okay game. It's just, you know, it happens. Yeah. And Packer fans need to, need to, need to get over it. I mean, it's not doom and gloom, but it doesn't exactly bode well for anyone that's seen this team over the last 30 years. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, Colts, Got, got the turnover when they needed to, and you know what? Phillip Rivers playing pretty well. The Taylor rookie having a good game. I don't know what else we can say. I mean, Colts Colts are definitely one of the teams to beat in the league right now. They're in their defense, even though they gave up 30-plus points, their defense is still one of the best in football. Raiders did pretty well despite losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they did all they could. Nothing else they could have done. I mean, Josh Jacobs with a touchdown. Derek Carr having a pretty good game with three scores, although the big blemish being the interception late in the game. Pat Mahomes, I mean, vintage Pat Mahomes right now. And Clyde Edwards-Elair with a couple scores. Le'Veon Bell getting in the end zone as a chief. I mean, and of course the dominance of... Tyree Kill and uh, Travis Kelsey. What else can you say? Although their defense, eh, they they're scraping by, but how much will it hold? I don't know. But it, tell you what, the Chiefs better not face someone like Tennessee or Pittsburgh because it's going to be a it's going to be interesting matchups when the playoffs do come in a month. And the Rams get first place once again by beating the Tampa Bay Bucks. Pretty much relying on the arm of Jared Goff. He had uh, two picks, but still almost 380 with three scores. I think who got the scores? uh, Robert Woods had a really good game, and the Acres rookie had a touchdown, and this Jefferson rookie. Got, well, Akers and Je- this Jefferson guy um, got their first scores. Actually, on the same side, um, on the Tampa side, I mean, Brady didn't exactly look great. And the run game, where was it? Although it's interesting uh, Antonio Brown's still playing considering there was some stuff that allegedly happened where he broke a security camera around his neighborhood a month ago, and I don't know if the leak's just trying to ignore it or not, but or maybe the neighborhood the people involved didn't want to press charges or anything because they know how much a backlash you could potentially get, I guess even though if Brown did break the camera I mean, it's obviously has a lot of mental issues and really the last few years have been I don't know what is going on with the guy I really don't know what's going on the guy needs but Brown needs a lot of help. So as far as the NFC goes, I mean, nobody in the East is really good enough to to be a be a team that wins a couple of playoff games. I mean Dallas needed a win, the Giants have have some good momentum Momentum right now in Washington. I mean, they're looking a little better. Philadelphia, I think, will regress, and honestly, I don't see them being the playoff team this year. Uh, in the North, I mean, critical game Sunday, critical game next or this upcoming Sunday for the uh, Bears and Packers. I mean, if Packers lose this, I mean, they're they're in a lot of trouble huge trouble. I mean with all the issues with with Chicago, I mean, they still have a chance to be a wild card team, but that's that's going to be tough. And Minnesota, I'm not sure how many more chances they'll have, but it it might it, they might not have a, they might not have the opportunity to make the playoffs. Detroit, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're going to see Matt Patricia get fired at the end of the year. It just seems like the culture just hasn't been good at all. And well, I mean, they they always try to change stuff every few years. With the South, I mean, pretty big hit for uh, Tampa. I mean, they're still. They still are pretty good to be a wild-card team, but it's going to be a tough hurdle if they have to face uh, New Orleans. And New Orleans has the big... This is probably the more most dominant team in the NFC right now. And just the fact that they're running the ball really well. And they're doing this without Drew Brees, by the way, who has... They found more rib fractures. So, I mean, I don't know if Brees' season is over. But it's going to be a long time to heal. And I'm not sure if they'll go to Jameis Winston at any point. But Taysom Hill, eh, he he had his good and bad. But can he be able to throw the ball? Can he be able to throw a touchdown pass? That will be the big question. Who do you go with under center? Tampa, I mean. Just get the defense fixed. Try and work with Tom Brady. And just try to run the ball. I mean, I don't know what Bruce Arian's problem is with running the ball. He had, he had at times good running games. What went wrong? Atlanta, I don't know what is. But there's definitely some stuff that I don't know if they'll go with a new coach or something or if they'll keep Morris but so far they've looked okay and this definitely was a big egg that they laid against New Orleans Carolina I mean I mean there's potential to be good can they carry momentum to where they can build on improvements from this year and do better next year And it's still a tight spot for uh, the NFC West. I mean, Seattle second place right now. Arizona with the tumble now. Rams, I'm surprised with the Rams playing well. I mean, Jerichoff is... eh, You don't know what you're getting out of him, but he's still the key guy along with the tight ends and the receivers. You know, they can beat you in many ways offensively. And maybe the pieces are working a little bit defensively. Seattle, well, their defense showed up at the right time. But they're still giving up 20 points a game. They got to fix some of this stuff. If they even want to be considered a serious contender to make it to the Super Bowl. Arizona. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, just, I mean, just, just find a way to get the run game going. I mean, as much as a great player Kyler Murray is, you can't expect them to win the game every time for you. You got to get that defense to, you got to have that defense show up, make those plays when they need to, and maybe a little more consistency out of Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. As far as the AFC goes, there's not really a dominant team. I mean, the closest... eh, Kansas City, I think. But even then, their defense... I don't know what it is, but it just seems like they just... They come close to... in losing some of these games. If it wasn't for the arm of Mahomes, this team would probably have a couple losses under their belt. And also, I actually forgot the times that Harrison Butker I forget how good his kicking game is at times. They just got to hope for that run game to be... To be something like what they saw out of Edward Z. Lair. And just, maybe just the defense just tighten up at the right time. And just fix those glaring holes. I mean, Oakland... With that loss, is it another collapsing year like what happened last year? I would hope not, but it could have the making of another disastrous second half of the year. Big win for Denver, I mean, and big win for uh, the LA Chargers. I mean, they beat you in certain ways. That defense for Denver did a number to Miami. Miami. And for the Chargers, I mean, Herbert, like I said, easily a good candidate for Rookie of the Year. Easily. Now, as far as the South goes, I mean, I don't know who I want to be right now. I don't know if I want to be Tennessee or Indy. And there's going to be some fun matchups very soon. It's going to be a lot of fun to be had because they both have the ability to throw the ball. Some pretty good veterans. That run game could be the catalyst as far as offense goes. But defensively, does Tennessee have enough? And can Derrick Henry beat up a very tough Colt defense? And maybe that kicking game. Does Rodrigo Blankenship have the edge over Steven Goskowski? Nobody knows. But I think it'd be a great matchup to see in the playoffs. It really would. Houston, I mean, big win shows that you know they're still capable of winning. But is there a momentum to where they can look good enough to be manageable. And Jacksonville. Pff, second overall pick. Here you go. <laughs> Man. I don't think they're trying to tank on purpose, but it's just... I'm sure they're missing Gardner rinse you a lot. And where's the defense when you need it? Dang. Uh the North the Great North. Outside of Cincinnati, of course. Man. Pittsburgh, I mean, you know what? Uh, This might be the most dominant team in the league, period. Um, Other than the run game, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger hasn't had really that atrocious of a season. I mean, he's been playing on a high level. Uh, some good receivers altogether. The tight end in Eric Ebron doing decently. I mean, the defense playing lights out. Although they've had their close shares of uh, losing. The big big example I can think of is their game against Dallas, probably the best team in football right now. Cleveland, I mean, they've they've squeaked by a couple times. And a lot of it is due to how good the run game is. And, well, though with their, their game against uh, Philly, you know, the defense showing up, if they can just have those kind of games defensively like they did against Philadelphia, I mean, they could be unstoppable. And maybe they can ease the stress off of Baker Mayfield a little bit and try to help him get to those uh, – get to those – big wins that lead them to a playoff spot for the first time in 18 years. Baltimore could be a tumble. And it doesn't help that their uh, running backs Mark Ingram and uh, J.K. Dobbins have been put on the uh, COVID list. There were some other guys. I think Adam Thielen for the Vikings got on the COVID list as well. And there's the inevitability. I think there could be a point where a game could get canned, and so they have a seven on seven, seven teams per conference playoff format now. It could go to eight potentially if uh, if, a, if a if a big deal game gets uh, canceled. Baltimore, Tennessee, I think, will be that. Not Baltimore, Tennessee. Uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh is going to be probably that big question mark. Could it lead to the eight teams per conference playoff thing? <sighs> Hard knowing, not telling. Hard telling, not knowing. And Cincinnati, just I, I don't see them winning another game now. I mean, maybe they might win one more, but. Um, it without Joe Mixon and especially now with Burrow being gone the rest of the year, I mean, not a lot of hopes for Cincinnati. And obviously in the East, Buffalo should probably happy that Miami and New England lost. I mean, I mean there there are inconsistencies with with Miami. It, It was only a matter of time before the defense went cold and the run the run game the run game not being as stout like it was the last week or two. And obviously Tua struggling a little bit here and there and Fitz magic becoming Fitz tragic. A reason why Ryan Fitzpatrick is never consistent. New England, where's the defense? I thought that was like the special part of uh, Bill Belichick's teams. What's the defense? That's why he won five Super Bowls with the Pats. And that's why he won two as the coordinator of the Giants. Number one defense 30 years ago in terms of scoring defense. And the Jets, well, 0-16 could be uh, could be there. And the sad thing is they're actually trying to compete. So Joe Flacco is playing okay. And the run game's actually picked up a little bit. Is this the case where we might see Adam Gase get fired when the season ends? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. There'll be some interesting playoff matches in a month Depending what goes on. So. That. End on this. Uh, football. End on a f- decent note. Dang. Almost an hour and a half. Or be right around it. With the intro and all that. So. You know what. A good happy holiday all together. Happy Thanksgiving. As Thanksgiving comes a few days away. Just be thankful that you got the air in your lungs, and that you're doing whatever you can to survive. <sighs> new episodes gonna be coming in December.'ll be interested to see how many I do and man, can't believe we're close to the end of the year the year of hell <laughs> <sighs> the threshold of hell. Uh, i I I'm sorry, but it just just seems like just too much bad things have happened and maybe we can start on a good note, you know, in a in a little more than a month when twenty twenty one hits. So with that, uh episode fifty one of Geeks and Jocks, this is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear you listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe during this time. Stay, stay protective, keep yourself clean, healthy, do what you can to survive. Take care, everyone.